All right. Good morning, Springfield. This is uh, KSGF 104.1, the Nick Reed Show. However, Nick is not in this morning. My name is Darren Chappell, and uh, it's a privilege to be able to fill in for Nick again today. Always enjoy doing the radio with you all. And um, for those who who may not know, um, again, my name is Darren Chappell, and I am the state representative for the 137th District here in Greene County, it is the one-third east, the the eastern third, that's the way to say that, it's early, uh, the eastern third of Greene County in southern Springfield from the Cloverleaf over to South Campbell. I, I said that the other day and somebody didn't know what the Cloverleaf was, and I'm uh, ever, ever appreciative of how much older I'm getting and how much things have changed in Springfield that uh, people don't reference the same landmarks the way that I do. And that's, uh, that's a little difficult for me to swallow sometimes, but uh, that's the basic uh, boundaries of my district. Um, I, uh, I taught political science at Missouri State. And my specialty uh, was in uh, public budgeting and finance. I taught American government. Specifically, I focused on American federalism, which is our unique way in which the founders established our country and our government. And our um, and, and I, f- I focused on the foundational documents, so the, the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers, the Constitution, uh, Declaration of Independence, obviously, and all of the amendments that have come into play since then, and how they change our country. And of course, we we are significantly different than we were when when the founders established this nation. Some of it is not always for the better. In fact, some of it is significantly worse uh, because we've made changes out of the heat of the moment without really fully considering what it was that we were doing. And unfortunately, that's what oftentimes happens. Uh, is that we'll we'll make changes because of an event, because of a a um, a fear or a concern or a displeasure that we have at the moment, and instead of looking for the actual root cause of the problem and addressing that, it's easier for us to simply say, okay, we're going to fix it so that that can't happen ever again. But we don't oftentimes take the time and the intellectual exercise to say, okay, but what about now? What What's going to happen now because of that alteration? Lots of examples of that. We've talked about them over the years, but um, we're seeing that again in relation to how our current political system is being twisted in a way that I, I, never, I never would have foreseen, and I don't know that anybody would have foreseen it. But it's uh, we see it in the in this presidential election, in the primary, in the way in which President Trump is being handled um, by the powers that be. We're going to talk a little bit about all of that. Uh, but first, we're going to go uh, to Houston, who is going to uh, kick us off to the news and find out what's going on this morning. Good morning. I'm Jesse Inman. Here's what's making news on your Tuesday. Parts of U.S. 60 will close soon for nearly a week as MoDOT works to repair a sinkhole. It's the one that opened up on the westbound side of James River Freeway near Highway 65 last month. Starting September 16th through the 22nd, MoDOT says they will close that area again while crews make more repairs. Westbound lanes between 65 and Glenstone 
along with both Highway 65 ramps to James River, will be closed. A Colorado woman avoided serious injury after the boat she was driving caught fire and exploded at Lake of the Ozarks over the weekend. 64-year-old Lori White was taken to a hospital with minor injuries. Highway Patrol says the boat she was driving lost power, then caught fire and exploded as she tried to restart it. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. The first alert forecast is brought to you by Navant, employee benefits that work. Today will be partly sunny and hot, 40% a chance of showers and storms, high of 93, a heat X around 100. Tonight will be a 50% chance for showers and storms, a low of 68 degrees. And then tomorrow, sunny, a high of 85 degrees. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, we are back and uh, just getting started this morning. Hope you're having a good morning thus far. After the storms last night, my mother lost a tree in the front of her yard, and my wife's plants were blown all over the place, and I'm sleeping right through that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess it was uh, it was more than what they expected, and that's, that's uh, kind of the theme for the show today is that uh, some of the things that we do, some of the things that uh, have been done on our behalf cause problems far more than what we expected. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit. And f- by the way, I, w- I want you all, I want to hear from you today because I'm going to be talking about the presidential primary um, and, and the things going on with President Trump. Uh, but I'm also going to be talking about some of the legislative issues that are facing the state of Missouri. And I know that Missouri's facing these because I'm I'm going to be bringing them up, and uh, others are as well. And um, I I, I want to hear from you all and your input on what it is that we're looking at doing for the state of Missouri, and in some cases, what some people are wanting to do to the state of Missouri. And um, it, it it's it's important for us to all understand what's happening, why, and what what the uh, well what the voters you what your uh, what your opinions are. So, the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line is 417-447-5743. You can text in or give us a call. Giving us a call is uh, even better so that we can hear directly from you. Sometimes text messages don't come through exactly the way that we intended them. It's hard to have any nuance. But uh, give us a call, give us a text, and let us know what you're thinking about the uh, the issues as as I bring them up. I, I want to talk first, though, about this uh, presidential primary issue. So, on a national scale, we have we had just a week and a half ago the first televised debate, and I and I use debate. Sp- Broadly, because that's not what a debate is. Debates are um, where issues are discussed from a pro and con perspective. And the goal of a debate is to discover truth and to discover the positions held by the individuals within the debate so that you then can make a determination between those individuals as to which position it is that you support and which positions there may be that you oppose, and and by the by extension, then support or oppose a given candidate. What we saw the other night were was essentially eight 
political campaign commercials being run simultaneously. And, you know, they were talking over each other and, and, and trying to drop sound bits and, and, uh, um, you know, doing their dead level best to smile at the appropriate time without looking too terribly creepy. Um, the, the, the way in which, uh, the, the event was held, I, the, the Brett Bear and Martha McCollum, they, they tried to keep it focused for the most part, but you know, when you've got people that completely disrespect the time limitations, talk over one another, make accusations of one another without proper foundation. I mean, it, it just doesn't provide you with much uh, as to uh, what policies they might hold and would support as president. And then, of course, President Trump wasn't there. Um, as I understand it, that was by his own choosing. I, I think that um, I think that was probably a wise thing on his part. Um, I, I find it fascinating that so many people, when you ask them who won the debate, and they said, well, President Trump did, and he wasn't even there. But the idea that he won by not lowering himself, they said, uh, to, to the B team, which is how they saw the other eight, um, I don't know if that plays as well as, as they would like for it to. Uh, frankly, though, the president has four indictments and 91 charges, and some of those stem simply from the fact that he said something on Twitter, uh, that he proposed uh, something as true that his prosecutors slash persecutors believe are not true. And the idea that maybe he shouldn't be on TV in the mix of that, uh, that, that melee of, of verbal diatribe that, that they called a debate, that probably was not a bad idea because he, he would have, he absolutely would have been the center of attention. They would have attacked him, which he doesn't care about, but he would have responded and how he might have responded, um, might not have been the best thing for him given the legal challenges that he faces. Now, these these legal challenges, and like I said, it's four indictments and 91, 91 charges in these four indictments. The vast majority of them are purely political. They, 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 just, they just absolutely are. Um, whether he... Whether he actually had... Um, classified documents in his home, unprotected. Um, that's a question of fact. Whether those documents were declassified is a question of fact. Now, I, I agree he could have declassified any and all of them while he was president, if he so chose. Absolutely could have done that. Uh, but did he? If he didn't, and he had documents at his home. And as it was reported, he was showing them off to a reporter. That's a problem. That, 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 is, that is a problem. It's a question of fact. Uh, is it a problem significant enough to where um, he should be in prison for it? I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's yet to be seen. There are certainly individuals who've gone to prison for things like that. Uh, there are other individuals who have had um, classified documents in private hands 
that did not go to prison, uh, namely Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, she had, what was it, 30,000 emails on her private server uh, while she was Secretary of State. You know, that's, that's, that's illegal. You can't do that. So uh, on a very, very few of these indictments um, and the charges thereof, um, it's a question of fact. Not not purely a question of politics, but the vast majority of them are politics. And what this is essentially is uh, the Biden administration is utilizing the FBI and the Department of Justice to go after a political opponent in the midst of a political season. And we've never seen this before. I mean, we, we've never had this happen in our history as a nation. This has never taken place. So, uh, you know, what what's this going to do? Well, I, I submit that it's going to change the way we look at politics in such a way that you don't like who you're running against. We'll just use the power of government to attack them on a legal basis so that they're tied up in the courts and you smear them in the public mind. And it's a tactic that is utilized. Forget about October surprise. We're just going to start from day one and go after this individual and make sure that they uh, that they can't win uh, if uh, if we bloody them up badly enough in the media and in the court system. That's not going to end well. We got more to talk about on this, uh, and and we're going to. But right now, we got to take a quick break uh, here on KSGF one zero four one. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, this morning we are uh, talking about all kinds of things uh, that are going to be fairly disjointed, but the common theme is that, um, you know, we're doing things that are going to have long lasting implications that are going to change the way our society works, uh, regardless of whether that's good or bad. And um, we're talking this morning, first of all, about the presidential primary and and the, and the general election, too, a little bit here at the end. But um, President Trump and these uh, 91 charges in four indictments, and like I said, overwhelmingly, this is largely uh, politically uh, based, if not entirely, and uh, the very few exceptions are the the charges that are questions of fact and timeline, and and they may or may not stick. Um, I, I to be to be frank, when the government, when the power of government is utilized the way that they're using it now, and they're coming after anybody, forget about who it is. I mean, yeah, it's the former president, but. Um, forget about the fact that it's President Trump. Um, anybody that the government comes after with an all-hands-on-deck mentality, as they've done, and they're trying you in Washington, D.C., where <laughs> the jury pool is tainted uh, in the fact that, um, you know, 70% of individuals involved are, uh, they are, uh, heavily, heavily supportive of the Biden administration so that anybody that the Biden administration is going to be indicting if the trial is held in Washington, D.C., and, and it may not be, there may be change of venue, we'll see, but the judges that are appointed, the juries that are, are set, 
Um, it's extraordinarily difficult to say that out of 91 bites at the apple that they're not going to convict him on any of them. Now, a conviction may simply be something of a minor minor degree. It may not be something that requires jail time. Uh, may not even be a felony by the time it's all said and done once plea deals or, or whatever are taken into account. Um, but the idea that he's going to be able to walk between the raindrops sufficiently as to uh, dodge all 91 charges, and that, that's just what we have thus far. For all we know, they've got more coming. We don't have any way of knowing. Um, I mean, after all, another bad story about Hunter Biden, we might see another indictment. Um, but the, the, as it is right now, it's hard, hard to believe that he's going to be able to just um, uh, completely be done with all of it uh, by the time the election rolls around in, in, in uh, 2024, the primary in August. Um, uh, the, excuse me, the uh, primaries beginning in, uh, well, I guess, February uh, through um, through the Super Tuesday and all of the different caucuses and primaries that go through the summer uh, and, and culminate uh, around August. Um, the idea being that he can avoid all of them uh, seems a little far-fetched. So what does that mean? Well, there are some individuals, uh, some individual states that are talking about the possibility, liberal states run by liberal uh, governors and secretaries of state that have, have suggested that they just simply will not allow the president to be on the ballot in those states. And can they do that? Nobody knows. We've never had this happen before. Uh, the Constitution does say that someone who has committed insurrection against the United States uh, is ineligible to hold office uh, ever again. And so the question is, did the president commit insurrection? Well, those on the left, uh, those furthest on the left, I should say, they they say absolutely committed insurrection on January 6th and thereafter talking about the stolen election. If that's true, uh, a couple of questions. First of all, why has nobody been convicted of insurrection? Even these individuals on January 6th who are getting sentences that seem disproportionately long compared to some actual crimes that were committed by individuals around the country, burning cities down and uh, destroying lives. And yet they're, they're, they're not seeing 10, 15, 17 years in federal prison. Uh, so again, uh, where you're charged and by whom you're charged matters significantly. But even then... Nobody's been convicted of insurrection. If nobody's been convicted of insurrection as they have not, then how did President Trump commit insurrection? He's not been convicted of anything. But if the people he supposedly incited to commit insurrection have not been convicted of insurrection, then wherein was his insurrection? Never mind the fact that he actually talked about going to the Capitol peacefully. That doesn't sound like too good of an insurrection. I mean, if you're going to be an insurrectionist, you don't want to go peacefully. That's that's kind of missing the point. So I, I, I have a hard time seeing a legal basis, a rational legal basis, for keeping President Trump off of the ballot. But the reality of it is, irrationality is kind of the playground of some of these individuals, and it, it will not surprise me if they keep him off the ballot. Now, the states that are willing to do that, was he going to win those anyway? 
Probably not in the general election, but what will it do in the caucuses? What will it do in the primaries? What, what will that look like? And that's, that's the difficulty. We just don't know because once you start changing things, once you start doing things differently, the result, the outcome is oftentimes unknowable because we've just never seen it before. It's crazy. We got to take, we got more to talk about about this. This is what this is just sending me over the edge. Uh, but we're going to come back after this bottom of the hour break right here on KSGF. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First Alert Forecast is brought to you by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. Today will be partly sunny and hot, 40% chance of showers and storms, a high of 93 degrees, heat X at 100 degrees. Tonight will be at 50% chance for showers and storms, a low around 68 degrees. And then tomorrow, sunny, high of 85. Darren, over to you. All right, Houston, thank you very much. Um, so so this idea of President Trump being uh, indicted and charged 91 different times um, for political purposes and the way in which this could impact the primaries and the general election is what we've been talking about this morning. Um, I I find it fascinating as we go through this process. It's also infuriating. It, it it bothers me that we have gone down this rabbit hole with the uh, the way in which uh, the current administration is using uh, the power of government, specifically the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, to try to sling mud and dirt against a political opponent. This, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, that J. Edgar Hoover uh, was accused of doing, but he wasn't as blatant as this is. I mean, he probably did some of the things that they accused him of, but it was nothing like this. And it certainly wasn't accepted by the media and propagated by the nightly news and, and radio programs and newspapers the way that this has been. So that individuals just say, oh, well, this seems normal. And, and I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have is that especially this year, we seem to have more and more uh, young people being involved in the process. And that that in and of itself is not a problem, except for this, without some sort of context to judge against this stuff could appear to be normal. This is just the way it is. And we've never done this before. Not not like this. There's always been politicians slinging mud and making statements about one another. I mean, uh, <laughs> there there are all kinds of examples throughout our history of people saying things that just simply are not true. But the, the, the fascinating part of it is, is that saying something that's not true on the campaign trail is not illegal. Political speech... You, you say whatever stupid thing you want. If you can get enough people to believe you and to vote for you based on that stupid thing you said, you win. <laughs> That's how it works. And so for someone who is new to the political arena, they may look at this and say, oh, I guess this is how this works. It's not how it's supposed to work, but the, it is the way this is working right now. And so it, it frustrates me, but it also fascinates me that people are so quick to just assume this is okay. It's not okay, and I don't care what side of the political aisle you happen to be on. It's not all right that this is what's happening. 
that that they're changing our political dynamic this way. One of the biggest aspects of this is in the fact that they've not only gone after President Trump, they've gone after his lawyers. They've indicted his attorneys for, I guess, aiding and abetting in his in his non-insurrection insurrection. And that's not just new. That's not just wrong thought. I, I think that's fundamentally um, unconstitutional for them to go after his attorneys. Unless and until they can show that the president committed an actual crime and that one or more of his attorneys helped him in the commission of that crime they where they they gave him advice on how to commit it or they offered to help him in the commission of the crime i i don't i don't see how they can go after the attorneys and and because the president has not been convicted of any crime whatsoever and there's no there's no evidence certainly none that they've released that says that his attorneys have have helped him commit any crime just that they told him what he wanted to hear or they gave up ideas about how he could challenge the veracity of the 2020 election those aren't criminal acts it's it's not against the law to believe that the 2020 election was was stolen and you you can agree or disagree with the fact that the the election was stolen, but regardless of the position that you hold, it's not criminal. And for the president to say that it was stolen, and for the president to say, "Go find me some some votes," you know, the context matters. Was he saying, "I want you to go in and create non-existent votes. I want you to create some so that we win," or was he saying, "I want you to go and find the ones that they haven't counted." The ones that we haven't uh, we haven't seen yet, get in there and find them because I don't believe the outcome as it's currently looking. Uh, th- those those are the concepts that have to be determined. But for an attorney to be charged simply because he or she was representing the president, the the Constitution, the Bill of Rights guarantees us an attorney. <laughs> The, the concept of you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney. It's not just something they say on, on law and order. Th- those, are, those are actual rights guaranteed by the government. And, and rights are those areas, those aspects of life that the government will not let you do without. So if you can't afford an attorney, we will provide one to you. But the entire premise of the attorney-client privilege is that we have access to our attorneys and our attorneys have access to us and we are able within the confines of the law we are able to put up a defense that says i didn't do this even if it, it, it you can't lie as i understand i'm not an attorney but as i understand an attorney can't lie to the court but to provide alternative theories of what might have happened as long as it l- lies within the realms of possibility uh, you certainly can provide those as possible defenses and the idea that there may have been 
in some election shenanigans that went on in some of these states and uh, allowed President Trump to be beaten in 2020. That's not outrageous to just talk about. The idea, the idea that we have that we are actively indicting the president's lawyers is so far beyond the pale. I'm not sure most people really appreciate just how bad this is and what we're doing to our justice system and our court system when your attorney can be charged along with you simply for agreeing and providing a possible strategy for you to win uh, your point of the day. That's insane. All right, we uh, we got to take another quick break, uh, and uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up about this. I have one more point about this uh, that that I think we need to discuss, and uh, we're going to do that when we come back right after these messages. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. So we've been talking about the uh, presidential primary and uh, and the things that are going on with President Trump. And, and you all know these things. I mean, I try to bring you a little different perspective as it relates to the legal system itself and how our attorney client privilege is now being attacked. I mean, th- this kind of stuff is is it's insane uh, is what it is. You've heard me say so many times in the past, you know, you get to throw the pebble into the pond but you don't control where the ripples go. You, We have no idea what, down the road, what these things, these events that are occurring in real time, what are they going to do to our uh, political system, our judicial system, the concept of our society, how things ought to be. Um, ought is a big concept, not just the way things are, but how they ought to be. Um, th- those, are, those are things that we should be grappling with as we go through life. But unfortunately, and I don't know if it's just because of the 24-7 news cycle and they're constantly trying to find something to do to justify their existence, or if it's uh, purely a lack of constitutional comprehension, a lack of societal responsibility on their parts, whatever the case may be. So many of these individuals, both elected and unelected, they just do not seem to be concerned with the ought of the question. And, And that's leading us to the destruction of how we do things and how we see things. And, and because of the, again, every year we have another person become another group of people become old enough to vote. And yet they've never seen it any different than this. After a period of time, this will be the way it ought to be. And people won't understand how it should be because they've never seen it that way before. And this is one of the responsibilities of serving in office is that you have to set a proper example and try and and try to uh, put yourself in a position where it's not about you, it's about you serving the people and it's about you trying to preserve the ought of our society. But beyond all of that, here's my fear. And I don't get scared about very much, okay? I just don't. I've been through some crazy stuff over my career. And, you know, yeah, I've had to have some uh, um, medical attention for my heart and stuff like that because of some of the nuts things that I've had to deal with. 
but uh, this scares me. 2024. If President Trump is the nominee, there will be a significant number of people, not a majority by any stretch of the imagination, but a significant number of people on the Republican side of the aisle who simply will not vote for him. The never-Trumpers. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying this is the way it is. This is a political scientist in me coming out. There are people who will never vote for the man again. Period. Now, it's a small percentage of the overall party population, I suspect. But they're not going to do it. They'll stay home. It doesn't mean they'll vote for Biden, although some will. Some did. But at least some of them will stay home and not vote. If President Trump is not the nominee, there is a larger percentage of individuals who will not vote for whomever the nominee is. I've seen them refer to themselves as Magadonians, which, okay. (laughs) All right, that's that's fine. Um, So the Never Trumpers are not going to vote for the president if he is the nominee. And some of the Magadonians are simply not going to vote for whomever the nominee is if it's not President Trump. Here's the problem. Nationwide, the Republican Party does have a statistical lead over the Democrat Party. And I would argue that this year that's probably even more true given the fact that the president, the current president, uh, bumbles about, uh, can't tell the truth uh, if, if, if he, even if he has a script in front of him uh, because, you know, he doesn't stay on script very well. And even when he does... He reads the directions to the script, you know, end of end of message or repeat the line. Uh, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, it does not appear uh, that it, it looks like his mental capacities have de- have have been uh, diminished to the point that uh, <laughs> what in the world are we doing where he has access to the actual, you know, nuclear football <laughs> stuff like that. We don't have a big enough lead, statistically speaking, across the nation to overcome either the never-Trumpers staying home or the Macedonians staying home. And because of this political divide within our own party, that lines have been etched so deeply, it appears we may not win in 24 in November, the general election, Either way, that's what scares me. Not not just that President Biden might be president for another four years, because he may not be, but Gavin Newsom. How about Michelle Obama? There, There's rumblings about her potentially throwing her hat into the ring. Now, personally, I don't think that she would simply because she hated being first lady so badly. But given the current state of affairs, is anything completely off the table? We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this and about party identification when we come back right after these messages here on KSGF. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. <laughs> this... Um, 
this primary and this general election and the division within the Republican Party in particular. You know, when Democrats disagree with each other, they fuss and fight and whine and cry, and then they all show up and vote for the same guy or gal because they don't, they don't, um, they don't allow their principles to stand in the way of their victory as a party. They're much, much more cohesive as a group, and they're willing. And it's part of the reason is because the part of the reason is because, um, you know. They it could be argued their principles are not principles, they're desires. And it also could be argued that the whole concept of everybody, you know, we're gonna we're gonna accept anything and everything, no matter how crazy it is, um, it allows for them to vote for somebody that they don't agree with, but they hate the other guy. You know. And it's not it's not good policy making as a basis, but it, but it does win elections if they stick together and the Republicans don't. So when you've got individuals on the, on the Republican side of the aisle and they say, I'm never voting for Trump. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the outcome is. That's certainly your prerogative. And, and I understand that some people feel that way. Um, maybe more than in 2020, uh, maybe less because in 2020, there were a lot of people who felt that way, and, and Joe Biden won. And how's that working out for you? If you're a Republican and you just couldn't stand Trump, you just couldn't stomach his antics, and you said, how bad can Joe Biden be? Well, this bad. And I don't think we've seen the bottom of the barrel yet either. And for those individuals who say, if it's not President Trump, I'm not going to vote for whoever that is. I had a good, dear friend of mine tell me in 2016, if President Trump, then President Candidate Trump, didn't get the nomination, he would never vote Republican again. Guys, those kinds of attitudes, I get it, and you're passionate, and I applaud that, and I want us all to be involved. But at the end of the day, we have to select the best option. It's not the lesser of two evils. It's the best of the possible options. And I just want us all to remember, <laughs> we're going to suffer the consequences. You get to throw the pebble in the water, but you don't control where the ripples go. So we have to put that pebble in the best possible location so that we don't mess ourselves up. Because clearly, the gloves are off, and the systems put in place to protect us from ourselves... Too many people are completely ignoring those, and we're just changing everything. All right, this is Darren Chappell filling in for Nick Reed here on KSGF 104.1 on the Nick Reed Show, and we're going to be back after the top of the hour break and news and all that. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> 